Welcome to episode 8 of Retrospection. My name's Colin and I'm in New York. And I'm Paul and I'm in the UK. Thanks for remembering where you are. I had to think about it for a second. Yeah, I noticed. In this episode, we're going to scream Feldercap as we take a look at Glenn A. Larson's Battlestar Galactica from 1978. We're also going to do some retro roundup of other things we've watched and we're going to answer some emails. Emails? We've had emails. Wow, yeah, surprisingly. And they're not all from you, disguised as somebody else. <laughs> Alright, so shall we just leap head first into Battlestar Galactica? Uh, yes, please. Okay. So this only ran for one season, which was, and then followed by the awful, the woeful Galactica 18. Yeah, yeah, that was some. Um... That, that was a bit weird, that one, wasn't it? It had flying bikes in it. It did indeed, yes. And they went to Earth, but never actually went to Earth. Well, they did land on Earth, I think. They did, nobody else. Yeah, that's true. Just that's the, the true. main two characters did, but they didn't let the ships land because they may bring the Cylons to Earth if they did that. Even though the Cylons... Could they not see Earth? No, no. Invisible to Cylon powers of observation. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and then Battlestar Galactica became a mini-series and a full-length series in the 2000s, oddly enough. It did, yeah. Did you watch that? I watched up till the second season, and then I got bored. Uh, I, I stuck with it, and then at the end wondered why I bothered. Right. Yeah, it was one of those things where every week you're kind of like, oh, I've got an episode of Battlestar Galactica to watch. Uh, okay, all right, get, let's get it over with. Yeah, like, you know? like Lost. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So originally, this Battlestar Galactica was supposed to be a series of TV movies, mm-hmm. and the pilot was shortened to make a theatrical presentation, and then at the last minute, ABC changed their minds and turned it into a full series, which caused problems with the writers, because they were so far behind and they weren't ready for it, so a lot of the episodes are what they call Crash of the Week episodes, until they could catch up with the writing. Yeah, and I think a lot of the actors had trouble as well because I think they were literally getting pages like an hour or two before they had to film the scenes that they were scheduled to do. Explains a lot. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. Don't, don't spoil yeah. it. <laughs> and in 1978, 20th Century Fox sued Universal, the makers of Battlestar, claiming it stole ideas from Star Wars, which is rich. <laughs> where, were, where were the makers of Dam Busters and... Hidden Fortress. Universal then sued them in return, saying that Star Wars stole from Universal's silent running and from the Buck Rogers series from the 1930s. Mm. All these claims were originally dismissed in 1980, but then it came up for trial in 83, but was settled out of court. So it has a kind of rocky start to it. But that, that's uh, Glenn A. Larson all over, really, isn't it? Yes, borrowing from other movies or TV shows that pre-exist. And getting away with it. Apparently. Yeah. Although, it's odd that it only ran for one season. Well, there is a reason for that. It didn't get cancelled because uh, of low ratings. It was actually one of the highest rated shows at the time. It got cancelled uh, because it was just costing too much to make. It's expensive to reuse effects? <laughs> you, you wouldn't think so, would you? But apparently it was costing a lot to make. I think I think it was more the case of the fact that they, they'd spent so much money at the start of the season, when they got to the end of the season, they didn't have any money left. And, and I think the network got cold feet of the fact that if we're going to do another series of this, we're going to have to shoot some new effects. And we, right. and we certainly aren't spending that much money again. It's better just to cancel it, really. It's a shame. Yeah. 
So the show has a large cast. I'm going to read out a few of them, not all of them, though. It stars Richard Hatch as Captain Apollo, Dirk Benedict as Lieutenant Starbuck, Lorne Green as a Commander Adama, Herbert Jefferson Jr. as Lieutenant Boomer, John Colicos. Is it Colicos? Colicos? I've always said Colicos. Okay, Colicos as Count Bolter. Marine Jensen as Lieutenant Afina. Lorette Spang as Cassio. I love that name. Ter- I love that name. <laughs> when I was a kid and this show always came on and the credits rolled, always brought a smile to my face. Lorette Spang. Really? <laughs> is it Sprang or Spang? Spang, I think it is, sorry. Spang. Spang. Okay. And Terry Carter as Colonel Ty. Yep. So we watched the theatrical version, not the pilot, because that's three episodes long. And we have a life, apparently. Speak for yourself. I do. (laughs) Good. (laughs) (laughs) So the theatrical version begins with a Stairfield, Mm -hmm. the logo, and Patrick McNee does a voiceover. It's a great voice. Yes. Um, Shall I read it out, do you think? People interested in what it says? Oh, go on. You can, okay. you can always cut it out if you don't like it. That's true. Here are those who believe that life here began out there, far across the universe, with tribes of humans who may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians, or the Toltecs, or the Mayans. And now he goes on for about six days describing different <laughs> civilizations. They may have been the architects of the Great Pyramids, or the lost civilizations of Lemuria or Atlantis. Some believe that there may yet be brothers of man. Who even now fight to survive somewhere beyond the heavens. He delivered it better. Yeah, well, he was paid more. <laughs> Do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, also fine. <laughs> well, put it this way it didn't cost him money to be in it. Wait, maybe. <laughs> uh, music's by Stu Phillips, and it's a pretty good theme tune. I quite like it's it. It's a very good theme tune. The music in, in this is, is fantastic, I think. It's, it's yeah. one of the classic theme tunes from our generation, you know, in from movies yeah, and TV. Definitely. Yeah, And I noticed uh, John Dykstra has a producer's credit. Yeah, but he wasn't happy about it. He wasn't? Why? Well, apparently he um, he shot the, all the effects under the impression that it was right. going to be for television. And he was slightly miffed when he found out that they were going to turn it into a feature film because he didn't think the, the effects would hold up on a cinema screen. He would have done. He would have done better if he, if he knew that he was going to make it. But I think they're perfectly fine. Yeah, we should point out that John Dykstra is, of course, a special effects like guru mm-hmm. who also worked on Star Wars yeah. mm-hmm. and was not invited to work on Empire Strikes Back because George Lucas was annoyed that he'd used the equipment for Star Wars on Battlestar Galactica. Makes sense when you when you know about George Lucas, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So then we have the stair field, then the speech finishes, and we open up with a shot of the battle stairs in a convoy patrol mm-hmm. heading towards the Peace Summit. And it focuses on Galactic, uh, focus on Battlestar Atlanta. The Atlanta, Galactica, they all look exactly the same. They, they do, yeah, because it's the same model with the different names spray painted on the side. <laughs> Which is fair enough, because if you have the same make of battleship, they all look the same, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 And we're having a council meeting, aren't we? Yes, uh, among the Forum of Twelve, mm-hmm. representing the Twelve Colonies. Yep. And they're talking about peace with the Cylons. And potholes. Well, in a council meeting, they're going to be talking about potholes and the NHS. And... <laughs> I thought you said plot holes. I thought, <laughs> no, no, I'll wait till later for that. 
There'll be plenty of those. They really don't want to bring those up. No, they don't. No, they don't. So apparently there's been a thousand-year war between the Cylons and these humans. Mm-hmm. On Wikipedia, now, see if you recognize any of this from the show itself, it says that the Cylons were created by a reptilian race mm-hmm. and that the reptilian race were wiped out by the Cylons. Uh, no, that's that's um, not quite right. Okay. They were created by a reptilian race, of which mm-hmm. the imperious leader is one of them. Okay, so we'll get we'll to get him to him. But yeah, he he's a lizard. Oh, he's actually a lizard. He's a lizard. Yeah. Although you would you okay. would never know from the way that they shoot it because obviously. No, we'll talk. Yeah, but. Okay, so we focus on Starbuck smoking a cigar. There's a lot of smoking yeah. in this, isn't there? Yeah, and Starbuck is a fighter pilot. He's a lieutenant. Starbuck pretends to be sick mm-hmm. so that Apollo's younger brother Zach can go out on patrol with Apollo, and it's the first time that Zach is going to go out on patrol. Mm-hmm. And this is played by. Um... He's a rock star, isn't he? Uh, I didn't catch his name. Uh, his name's not in the like first few of the credits. And... No, no, no. He, he's he's someone that went on to play um, Nick Knight in the in a vampire movie. Is it Cliff Richard. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. That would improve this incredibly. No, I'm sure he's a rock star. I, I, I'm sure there's people screaming at us now, screaming his name at us. But <laughs> send us an email. Yeah, absolutely. I won't read it. <laughs> so, so when they decide to go out, we have a Viper launch sequence that, for the first time, looks really cool. Absolutely, yeah. And what do you think? What do you think about the Vipers? I think they look really cool. Yeah, I don't think they look like stubby X wings. Well, well, yeah. There's a there's an X wing vibe going on, but um, I mean, they're basically. The, I mean, none of the ships in in this show behave like ships would in space we're basically looking at, at fighter planes aren't we yeah there's no there's no concept of space or is it i suppose no it was ground. fine for the time i mean people wouldn't question it so i didn't when i was a kid absolutely and it looks cool yeah, yeah. and in some ways i prefer the the vipers in this to the x-wings oh really why i never really like those pylon things that, that stick okay. out of the wings on the x-wing they looked at the very ungainly. Yeah, they right? look ungainly. Whereas this looks in Battlestar Galactica, the Vipers look sleek. They look, they look nice and sleek and compact. So, at the peace process, we learned that Baltar is negotiating the peace between the Cylons and the humans. And he's clearly a slimeball, isn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. There's a yes, yes. He needs a big twirly mustache. I was going to say a top hat, but would that really help? <laughs> I wouldn't question it if he had one. <laughs> Right, right. Um, we also meet Adama, mm-hmm. who is suspicious about the peace process, and he's the commander of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, he doesn't believe a word of it, does he? No, he says, um, we believe in freedom, and the silence will never accept that, and so he tells the president that it's a sham. But the president is but hook, line, and sinker into the peace process. Baltar has him convinced that that's what the Cylons want. And don't you think that, that Lauren Green is he's really good in this role? In fact, all, all uh, the cast yeah. are, I think. They're really, they, they really seem committed to it. They're really taking it seriously. There's two I don't like that we haven't met yet. Right, okay. okay. He's one of them small. Yes. <laughs> he's one of them a chimpanzee. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> How did you guess? <laughs> Wait. Are you watching Every Way Witch But Loose again? <laughs> oh, wait, that's an orangutan. <laughs> Different ape. Um, so while Apollo and Zach are on patrol in the Viper, they 
pick up two targets on the scanners and they go to investigate and they find a Cylon tanker in a cloud storm, I guess mm. it is. And they realize that they're being jammed. They can't send the signal back to Battlestar to warn them that something's going on. Mm-hmm. When they break through the cloud, Apollo sees a fleet of Cylon fighters, so they run for it. They get chased. They get chased by the Cylons, who are lousy shots. Well, my question is, do lasers explode if they don't hit anything? Apparently they do here. They also make a sound. But yes, they do explode. (laughs) Don't go on about sound. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently Cylon ships, they, they need two pilots left and right, and then a guy in the back who... Always looks like they've brought Dad along with them in the car. <laughs> they're they're like, all right, let's go fly left, right. Yeah. Why, why did you bring Dad with us? Quiet down, you two, because he's just at the back doing nothing. Yeah, well, he's he's there to say things like, "Oh, I don't think you should be doing this. I think it'd be easier." <laughs> you should have pulled over. You should have done. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you really want to hit turbo? I mean, you've got fuel. Cons- you know, you got to think about fuel consumption. And <laughs> how long is it to the next services? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Polo and Zack start to pull some fancy moves and they start to shoot down the Cylon ships. There are better shots than the Cylons. Yeah, well, not Zack. He's a bit useless, isn't he? He gets a couple. Yeah. But his ship is damaged. He loses his high engine, doesn't he? Yeah, his low engine is perfectly fine. It's his high engine that's a problem. Because mm. we should say these Vipers have got three engines, haven't they? Apparently. Yeah, in a triangle formation. Yeah. Lots of threes going on. Have you noticed that? No. What, can you point me to anything else? You've got three Cylons that fly the three ship. Cylons. Okay. You've got oh, three yeah. engines on the Vipers. Three engines. Um, there's three wings on a Viper. <laughs> <laughs> they've got, is, they that, play a, is that they play, straining I hear of someone reaching? They, they play a card game called Pyramid, which has three sides. Oh. Ah, we should also point out that their helmets look like Sphinx. They're fantastic helmets. I love these helmets. But there's an Egyptian connection between the oh, helmets, yeah. which yeah. is the only Egyptian connection. They kind of forget that idea with everything else. Yeah, well, they they <laughs> they they kind of forget a lot of things as it goes along, don't they? Really. Right, right, right. So, Zach is damaged. He's not sure he's going to make it back, and tells Apollo to go go to Battlestar and raise the alert. And then thousands of Cylons appear, and Apollo is like, well, I can't leave my brother, but Zack convinces him. So Apollo goes for it, hits Turbo, heads for Battlestar, and Zack just limps along, trying to mm-hmm. avoid the Cylons. Mm-hmm. On Galactica, they now realize that the patrol is under attack, but they don't know by whom because of the jamming. So they contact the president and ask to send fighters out. Bolter convinces the president not to do it. The shit. He's a bit of a shit, isn't he? Oh, he's a shit. Okay, yeah. Oh, uh. <laughs> it's like their shit who's shit everyone's shit <laughs> we also learned that both pilots are actually Adama's sons oh yeah because I suppose we, we we know they're brothers but we don't know who the parents are at the moment no until that moment when mm-hmm. Ty says to him you know mm-hmm. Zach and Apollo because he thinks I, I hadn't thought about Apollo that went. yeah because yeah, he thinks Starbuck and Apollo went out that's strange I think it's because I'm so familiar with Battlestar Galactica you just you know, assume you, you you know already when you watch it who they are, who these people are. Right, right. Someone coming in cold wouldn't know that, would they? Yeah. No. So as a way round, the president's order not to send fighters out. Adama does a battle stations drill. Now, what do you think of this bridge set? It's okay. I noticed that later on in the show, all the monitors are just showing other episodes. 
<laughs> They've got Netflix. Apparently. <laughs> I can't even get Battlestone on Netflix. No, I know. It's not on there. <laughs> and the computers are like old 80s, late 70s, IBM giant computers with yeah, yeah, old green yeah. screens. <laughs> and the communication devices are carded telephones. And everyone seems to be wearing digital watches as well. Did you notice that? Calculator watches. Calculator watches. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so didn't we didn't we see that um, a similar kind of thing in Buck Rogers as well? Where, um... Yes. Yes. Maybe it's the same calculator watch. Maybe it's just passed <laughs> from show to show because the second season of Buck Rogers has the same background storyline as this does. The idea yeah. of that they are looking for a lost civilization. It doesn't just have that. I mean, they reuse shots from Battlestar Galactica and props and uniforms. And Wilfred Hyde-White is in both shows. Oh, he is indeed. So is Buck is Rogers it... the same universe as this? Oh. But a different time zone? Yeah, but you say that, it could well be because so could Knight Rider. I, I dare not ask. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, okay. <laughs> At least I've got... Oh, Cylons. Yeah, oh, are you thinking about the eye? Yeah. Yeah, there is the eye, but there's other things as well. All right. I'm sure you'll bring it up continuously. The president still will not launch fighters. Bolter has still got his ear. Apollo manages to get on board the Galactica, but Zack is killed. He's killed spectacularly as well. He, he explodes yeah. before his Viper does. He does explode. The fire is inside the ship. It's a really weird effect. Yeah. I suppose it's 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 supposed to make you go, <gasps> isn't it? It did. It did. And <laughs> Athena uh, starts crying at this point. I believe she stops crying at episode 15. <laughs> she doesn't get a lot to do, really, no, does she? just cry. Did you notice the um, whenever they launch fighters from uh, Galactica? Mm-hmm. We've already seen this. Did you notice the uh, the very unhappy um, flight control attendant? Yes, yes. She she loves her job, doesn't she? She, she it's like I, I'm guessing they filmed all her parts in one day. <laughs> you never see her lines. anywhere else, do you? No, she just sat there and she's just going launch squadrons, blue, <laughs> orange, tango. She she appears a lot throughout the series, though. Right, just doing that. Yeah, same shot. So, so I reckon it's a day's work. Probably, yeah. She's yeah. she's she's so enthusiastic. So silence attacked the battle star, and the vipers are finally launched. And they ask Apollo how many base ships were there, and he says there are no base ships, just fighters. And everyone thinks that's kind of weird. Why are fighters this far out? How did they get there? Mm-hmm. In the background. Galactica starts to take hits, and there's a guy with a fire extinguisher just standing around, <laughs> waving it aimlessly at stuff while people... Actually, there's actually one guy bursts into flames next to him. He does not put the guy out. He carries <laughs> on just putting the side bit out. <laughs> He's got his job to do. He's going to do his job. He has. And then yeah. the other battle stars get hit by the silent attack, and there's explosions. And then it cuts to Atlanta, and what appears to be a guy in a bedsheet... <laughs> You're talking out, about the president. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the president. It's his robes. But I was sat and I was going, "Why is there a guy wearing 
in a bed sheet fighting the bed sheet because there's all this wind and then i realized who it was i thought it was like because of the drill he got out of bed quickly and just brought his bed clothes with him he's like his duvet just in case it got a little chilly on the bridge well it looks chilly it does yeah there's a lot of wind going on now we should talk about have they has, has galactica launched its vipers yet yes okay now we should talk about some of the other fighter pilots i think shouldn't we go ahead because we've got Boomer, yes, who is played by Herb Jefferson Jr. Yes, who also played Michael Knight's original partner. Oh, in the pilot episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. For all of five minutes before he died. Right. Um, right, right. And we we also get Jolly. Is he the the, the big fat guy? guy? The fat okay. guy. Yeah. Right. His name's because... Jolly. Yeah, there's a lot of there's some terrible stereotyping later on as well, especially <laughs> regarding Boomer. Oh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to say about them? Well, they're the only other two that have got names. There's okay. Mustachio guy, but we don't know what his name is. We can call him Mustachio guy. Yeah. No, I thought he died at one point, but no, he he popped back up later in the movie. Well, maybe it's just use of stock footage. Because <laughs> they they keep using stock footage of the hands pressing the fire buttons. They do, and sometimes the hands don't match the people that had just been in the previous shot. <laughs> well, the, one of the pilots is a woman. <laughs> you cut to a big hairy hand. <laughs> no, they do it. They do it the other way around at the end of this, in the final <laughs> battle scene. It's a guy, and then they cut to a woman's hand pressing fire. But there's no woman in the battle. She's not in it. And it's like, wow, that pilot really takes care of his nails. <laughs> well, and he really moisturizes those fingers. There's not a lot to do when you're the last battle star. You know what are you going to do in between? Yes. In between taking, you know, taking on Cylons, what are you going to do? Right. So they all realize that the base ships have headed for the planets, their homeworld, especially Caprica. Mm-hmm. And they're going to attack the homeworlds. Yep. And so we finally cut to our Cylon leader. <laughs> He's got a big afro. Who's in a a large room that's got a few lights around it. He's sitting on a throne which is about 20 foot tall, would you say? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And you don't see his face. You see him from behind looking down towards this island that has to mm-hmm. give him the messages. And... There's, there's, there's a good reason why you don't see his face, you know. Go on. <laughs> because... It's hideous. I looked at some of the deleted scenes from this. Right. And they did shoot him from the front. And it's fucking terrible. <laughs> okay. So they it really is awful. This. It's awful. It really is. How does he get down? Jump. Oh, that's embarrassing. Do you think maybe how he gets up there is he has to climb on the backs of about seven... Silons. Silons. <laughs> yeah, or he's like... He, he just... They're like, go attack the Galactica by your command... And fetch me a bucket, because I need to go, and I can't get down. So I'll bring a bucket. But in fact, just give me your helmet. Just give me that head. Pass it here. <laughs> there's also one thing I noticed. There's a green thing on his left shoulder. That's funny you should say that. Now, I watched the Blu-ray. I presume you did as well. Yes. Now, I'd never noticed this blue little lizard thing on his shoulder before. Nope, neither had I. No. So it's obviously, you know... And I wasn't sure what it was at first because it doesn't move in this scene. I thought it was a plant. 
because it's greenish. It's a it's a real a lizard. lizard that yeah, they've stuck lizard. they've stuck wings on it because it, it moves afterwards in another mm. scene. Yeah, they, they've stuck little fake green wings on its back. Nice. Well, it's not the first instance of animal cruelty that we'll get to, really, is it? <laughs> no. So now we go to Caprica, and we, we do actually meet Jane Seymour as Serena. Mm-hmm. She's a reporter um, or a TV presenter or something, isn't she? Right, and we meet Boxy, who is her kid. Yeah. And the Caprica is under attack, buildings are being destroyed, and they're running for their lives, and they hide. And then Boxy sees his dog come running towards him, and then, because the kid is so annoying, the dog aims and runs towards a building that's falling to kill itself. <laughs> that's the only conclusion I come with. Dog committed suicide. And he, he, he runs quite enthusiastically as well. Oh, he aims for that building. He's like, this is my chance, my way out. Don't have to listen to that annoying kid anymore. Although he's not, he's not a dog, is he? They call him Daggets. Yeah, he's a dog. Yeah, but he's a dagger in this. All right. We're, we're supposed to be doing this, um, you know, thoroughly. We have to you know, report okay. on it thoroughly for, right. for the right. listeners. All two of them. All two. <laughs> <laughs> so the planet's pretty devastated at this point, and there's nothing Galactica can do about it. They've come under attack. They're, in fact, the only surviving battle star we discover. And they're, they're watching all this on the news, aren't they? In, on the bridge. That's right, CNN are reporting it, Caprica News Network. Who's filming all these explosions? One I mean, they've brave got, person. They've got, they're showing like huge power stations exploding. Who's right. filming it? I mean, you'd have to be sat right in the middle of it. <laughs> Where's the power coming from to operate exactly. the cameras? Yeah. While Adama goes down to the surface of Caprica with Apollo, yeah. Starbuck is in trouble. Mm-hmm. His engine has been hit. And he's going to have to crash into the landing bay. God, this sequence goes on, doesn't it? It does, and Athena starts crying. Oh, obviously. She, well, she's still crying, isn't she? But she talks him down while she's crying, so she's still professional in some way. I suppose, yeah. But it's all this, oh, left omega circuit to right servo circuit. And he's just... Yeah. <laughs> he's got he's these not little... doing anything. He's, he's just not... going, la, la, la. He's just flicking switches. <laughs> Luckily, he does land somehow. Mm. He comes in like a missile, doesn't he, he says. He comes in like a missile, but he stops mm-hmm. somehow. And uh, he stops by slightly rocking forwards in his chair. <laughs> There's a lot of that, though, isn't there? Yeah. Have you noticed when they take off how they go... They, they, they push themselves back into yeah, the chairs. Yeah, like the G-Force is affecting them. What do you think of Dirk Benedict, by the way, in this? Oh, he's good. No, he's, he is good. But did you know who the other choice was for the role? No, who? You'll like this. Go on. It came down to two actors. There was right. Dirk Benedict, and the other choice was Mr. Don Johnson. Ooh. I can see it. Yeah, yeah, I can see it too. That's a tough one. I think, I think Don Johnson got a lucky escape. Because that means we could have seen Don Johnson in the A-team. And we could have seen Dirk Benedict in Miami Vice. Well, that's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and we could have seen Mr. T in Knight Rider. Now that I kind of go with. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah. It couldn't be any worse, could it? No. <laughs> so he, Adama visit, he visits the ruins of his house, doesn't he, Adama? 
Yeah, but we also learn that Starbuck is annoyed because he thinks Galactica left the patrol out. Uh, but he doesn't know that Caprica came under invasion and Galactica had to go to Caprica. Yeah, but I have a problem with this anyway. I can see why he's annoyed because, okay, they clear off from the... There's a major battle going on with all the other Battlestars fighting for their lives and they realise that the colonies are being attacked and they clear off. Now, if you're sitting in in one of these other Battlestars and you look out the window and you see one of the other Battlestars buggering off, you'd be like, hang on a minute. Where are they going? Yeah. Why didn't anyone try and follow them? Not too busy fighting, I guess. So was Galactica. They got away. Maybe that's one of those potholes you were talking about. (laughs) Huge one. (laughs) So Adama goes to his ruined, destroyed house to look for his pawn collection. (laughs) All right, maybe he doesn't. He goes to look for photographs of his wife, who we presume was killed in the explosion. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, at that point, some pissed-off locals turn up. These are great, these, these people. Aren't they? What were you doing, boy? <laughs> yeah, and they're led by Jane Seymour, whose acting is appalling. I think this was the first thing she ever did. She looks very young, you mm-hmm. So, yeah, the locals are like, where, where was the colonial squadron? Where were you all? Mm-hmm. Why did you leave us? Adama and Apollo point out that everyone is wiped out and there's only Galactica left. Did you did you hear when the when these people are walking down the hill, they're all muttering to themselves, and you can kind of pick out little snippets of dialogue that they're saying. And they, they, I'm only getting paid twelve dollars for this nonsense, things like that. <laughs> one of the yeah, that would be good. The, the fat guy actually says to somebody, "We're really really hungry. We need some food." He's a big guy. He's probably true. <laughs> That's what. Maybe that wasn't in the script. Maybe it was actually the, the catering hadn't turned up for that episode. Possibly. You can see why he's angry then. Yeah. 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 He's been on set, standing around for mm-hmm. 12 hours, not doing anything, and there's no catering. I'd be annoyed too. Probably, yeah, probably. So Adama gives a speech about how they're going to fight, not here, but mm-hmm. somewhere else, and that they're going to go... Well, he doesn't actually say what they're going to do. He just says, we're going to fight. And then he wants everybody to get on every kind of ship that can still fly and join Galactica on a big colony as they look for somewhere else. And there's some great models here, isn't there? Yeah, lots of varieties of ships. There's one that's funny. It's called Colonial Movers. Yeah, I noticed that. And it says, we move anywhere. Yeah, it's just little details like that that I think this show does really well. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they charged? Wouldn't you? Colonial Movers. Do you think they went, yeah, you can come on, but only for 12 Ducats. (laughs) Which is the currency of Caprica. Is it? You just made that up, didn't you? No, it's called Ducats. Yeah. Ducats. Ducats. Yeah, that's the currency. You made that up. No, they mention it in the gambling scenes later on. Do they? Yeah. All right. Okay. In Space Vegas. All right, so now we cut to Bolter. Do we? He's with two Cylons. Si- <laughs> yeah, we do. He's with two Cylons. And he says... He basically says, let's hunt the rest of the humans down. That's should- right. Why has he got it that's in for him? Right. Well, that's why I could never understand why he was the only human and, and then he was trying to get the humans killed. It doesn't make any sense. They too try and give him a motive later on, but it's pretty weak. Maybe he's got a Cylon fetish. Who wouldn't? Well, what can you say? <laughs> all, all that, all that shiny, shiny um, vacuum-formed plastic that they've got. <laughs> so Adama is back on Galactica and gives a speech and says that their plan is to seek out the 13th colony. It's something from legend. They believe they're descended from this 13th colony from a mystical planet known as Earth. 
At that point, I said, don't come. It's crazy. They don't like immigrants. <laughs> yeah, they'd really, really be in trouble if they tried it today, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. They'll build a wall. <laughs> but it's a great concept for a show, though, isn't it? You could take it anywhere after this point, couldn't you? Into Buck Rogers, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, I watched a lot of deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. I don't want to talk about them too much, but boy, are you glad that you didn't get the version that they were going to use. They filmed a scene where they all stood and sang the national anthem. Who's? The national anthem. They wrote a song. Oh, they did? Yeah. And they're all kind of singing it. And you, you can see in the deleted scenes that everyone is desperately trying not to start laughing. Okay. At one point, Richard Hatch looks over at Lorette Spang. And she's burly holding it together. You can just... <laughs> and then you've got Lauren Green up there who's giving it everything. He's <laughs> Professional. Yeah, absolutely. It's terrible. Well, instead of that disaster, we go to the <laughs> Imperial leader who wants Galactica destroyed and says to Bolta that if Galactica is not destroyed, then Bolta will die. He'll have his head. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... On Galactica, they've decided that they have to survey all these ragtag ships that have turned up for the convoy to make sure they're actually space-worthy. Mm-hmm. And Apollo and Boomer and Starbuck are going along, taking notes, checking the ships, and they discover that people are starving and there's no water. And one guy says that politicians are living on the rising star, just got luxury. They've got all the food they need. And one woman is really annoying. She's giving it some, isn't she? Oh, yeah, because she's, like, calling them names and then... Apollo says, I give you my word as a warrior. And she's like, warrior? At that point, I'd have shot her. (laughs) Said, there, there's my warrior. That's my warrior face. He's he's just too nice. He is. But Apollo is suspicious about the food shortage. He is. Meanwhile, Starbuck meets Cassiopeia, who is a socialator. Yeah. Which I believe is Capriaca talk for prostitutes. Well, you say prostitute, I say... I don't remember that line in the song. <laughs> you say potato, I say potato, you say prostitute, I say socialator. Absolutely. You say prostitute, I say therapist. Is that what you tell your wife? <laughs> yeah. There's a really angry woman on the shuttle and she says, dirty socialator. Now, that's the annoying woman. It's the same yeah. woman. That's why she's really annoying because she doesn't stop at this point. Meanwhile, we get romantic oboe music. We do. Well, because yeah. Starbucks going to... Socialate. Yes. Apollo meets Serena, who... She asked him to cheer her kid up. I know. She's, uh, she's singled him out already, hasn't she? Yeah. Also, hasn't he got stuff to do that's more important than making a dreary kid happy? You, you, would, you would hope so, wouldn't you? They're, just, You'd think they're so. facing the apocalypse here. I mean... But he goes and he helps Boxy get over it by pretending that this annoying kid might one day become a viper pilot and die so (laughs) you know he does you know become a viper pilot in the end you know the terrible galactica 1980 show yeah he's He's one of the main characters in it but grown up (laughs) we're never doing galactica i don't know in some ways it could be interesting but not for a long time i don't think (laughs) right right so apollo and boomer go to the rising star Mm -hmm. and they find a politician a newly elected member of the 12 did you notice who's in charge of the food in um of surveying the food when they get there in the rising star ronald mcdonald jolly the fat guy oh he is Mm -hmm. oh that's a bad move and suspiciously there's not enough to go around 
Ah. What's the name of this politician? Cirrus? Something like that, yeah. It's it's played by... um... (laughs) (laughs) Really? Him? I like him. He's difficult, though, at award ceremonies when he wins because they have to go, and now the winner is... (laughs) No. Okay, I'll start again. Yeah, he's played by uh, Ray Milland, though, isn't there? There's a lot of old... Hollywood established actors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So he's in a secure room surrounded with food and drink and he shows no bereavement for the fact that his wife has recently been killed because he's surrounded by women. Mm-hmm. He looks a bit um, drunk as well. If, not surprised. He's surrounded by alcohol. And Apollo, of course, says you need to disperse this food to the rest of the convoy. You can't keep it to yourself, which annoys Sirius, but there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, well, you know, they make a comment about his wife, don't they? They do, yeah. Because, yeah. as I said, he's not got any bereavement for her. So, mm-hmm. and uh, and they make a comment that she's was the good one, the nice one compared to him. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. On the other side of the ship, Starbuck gets Cassiopeia's arm fixed because it was broken, <laughs> and pays for a new home. Basically, Starbuck is now her pimp. It pretty much is. Did you? Yeah. Did, I had to laugh when she walks out of uh, the hospital bay, and there's a queue of people waiting to go in, and these are like the the most wretched people you've ever seen. One of them's burly standing. He's got a bandage over his head. His wife's holding him up, and she she comes out waving her arms around, going, "Oh, I feel fantastic. I feel like the greatest. I've never felt this great." If you're that guy, I think he'd. Why is she in there before me? <laughs> yeah. So in your face. Losers. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> no wonder no one likes Viper pilots. Exactly. Just because he thinks he's going to get socialated later. So a patrol returns without encountering enemies, which is the first good news they've had in a long time. It gives them a little bit of quiet. And there's a meeting of the 12. Mm-hmm. And they discuss a way to get to a planet for supplies. Sirius suggests a way that everyone else realizes that the Silence will be waiting for him. Mm-hmm. At this point, we don't know, but is he working for the Silence? We're not sure. So Apollo chooses a path from a minefield, mm-hmm. a direct path to a planet that Adama had chosen. And he suggests two Viper pilots to go ahead and help him. And of course, those are Boomer and Starbuck, because Battlestar Galactica only has three pilots. <laughs> When we get to the later episodes that we're going to talk about, we do get a fourth one. That's right. Yes, mm-hmm. we do. And they're the only four. Yes. Well, there's Jolly, but, you know, he's too busy Jolly. eating all the food. So. Right. We should say as well that one of the new Council of Twelve people is Wilfred Hyde-White. Yes, who makes a great reappearance and looks as bewildered as he does in Buck Rogers. <laughs> there's that thing again where he's doing his lines and people are looking at him waiting for him to finish. <laughs> yeah. It's a great career. You just make it up as you go along. Yeah. <laughs> so Boxy, meanwhile, has been given a robotic dog. Uh, sorry, a robotic daggot That's called right. Moffat to replace his lost dog. Shall we explain what is actually inside the costume? I don't know what's inside the costume. Paul, tell our listeners what's inside the costume. Inside the costume of Moffat is a three-year-old chimpanzee called Evie. Are you serious? I didn't know that. Didn't you? Wow. You really should watch the extras on the Blu-rays, you know. You should do some work. There is really a chimpanzee in that costume? Yes. Wow. How does it breathe? I guess they didn't give a shit. <laughs> I don't think they did. 
No. And I don't think... And the funny thing is, apparently, yeah, the kid wanted to, to hold and cuddle this chimpanzee, which is inside this Daggett costume. And if you watch closely through this movie and through the, the episodes that come later, there's always a guy stood to the side. And all the, the actual adult actors keep their distance from it, where this kid is completely oblivious to the danger of the fact that this is a chimpanzee. This could rip his head off if it wanted to. And in the outtakes that I watched on the Blu-ray, there's moments where this... In fact, there's one in particular that, that I remember where the, the chimpanzee starts hitting the chest of the child actor hard and the kid's laughing because he thinks it's funny and then suddenly from out of the, out of nowhere from off screen this guy runs in in a colonial costume who's obviously you know trying to blend in he's the trainer and he literally just grabs it and flings it to the other side of the room wow it would never be allowed today not sure it was you know, allowed in 1978 either well, you think about this chimpanzees in this costume that's going to be hot yeah. under lights, under lights that are going to be hot. It's going to be really angry. It's going to be angry. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and in the raw footage that's on the Blu-ray, if you watch it, because obviously ADR'd a lot of the dialogue later. They had to because you can hear this chimpanzee Oh boy. in the scenes making chimpanzee noises. And the actors have to ignore it. I didn't know any of that. I'm looking forward to seeing this documentary now. If you look online, if you go online and, and, and look, at, you know, really oh, look deep. Yeah. There's a few photographs. There's very few photographs because they kept it to a minimum of it with its head off. And you can see the chimpanzee head. Wow. You know, under the costume. And it doesn't look happy. Not surprised. <laughs> Also not happy is Lieutenant Athena because she's been watching Starbuck and Cassiopeia getting sexy time in one of the Viper launch bays because apparently Athena and Starbuck have this thing, although it's never actually made clear up until this point that this was so, really. Is she charging for this? Is she on the clock at this point? I said clock. (laughs) (laughs) So... So this bit's a bit strange because Athena decides to get her own back on Starbuck by releasing some steam from a pipe yeah. that burns Starbuck mm-hmm. but doesn't appear to affect Cassiopeia. It's almost like she's not even there. It almost, that's true. Wow, maybe she's magic. Or maybe... maybe do, Does anyone else actually interact with Cassiopeia? Maybe it's like a sixth sense thing where she's actually a ghost and only, only wow, Starbuck can see spoiler alert of a film we're not even reviewing. <laughs> it's because I didn't bring up Fight Club. Oh, we're never going to do those two movies, are we? Okay. So, yeah, maybe Cassiopeia is all in his head. That's some serious problems he's got, then. I've had worse. <laughs> so, if you're going to imagine a fake girlfriend for yourself, why would you make her a prostitute? Sorry, socialator. She goes out to work. You know what she's doing. But she doesn't go out to work. She's imaginary. Not to him, she's not imaginary. Yeah, but he's not imagining her going out to work, clocking in and clocking in. <laughs> Yeah. In. Doing all that. He's only imagining those bits. Although, at the moment, it's what us bits? making this what? up. <laughs> <laughs> we can assume this isn't in the show. She's a real person. Yeah, well, don't spoil it. All right. So, we now have to bit where the Vipers have to go into the cloud to destroy the mines so that Galactica can take the direct route to the planet, which seems like happening ages ago for some reason. <laughs> and so they start shooting the mines... Uh, they it's can't, a bit ropey, this bit, isn't it's, it? It's very ropey. They can't actually see the mines, and there's a heat problem, so Galactica is actually telling them where to shoot. 
mm-hmm. but it's working. They are starting to make their way through and to end up at the planet Carillon. Carillon, Carillon. yeah. Meanwhile, the Cylon leader is pretty annoyed that Galactica has got through and has Bolter killed. <laughs> or not. Or not, as the as case, the, may, as be. The case yeah. may be. And <laughs> we also finally find out, before he's killed, obviously, or not, why Boltar is doing this, because he was promised to be made ruler of the remaining humans. But there's not going to be any, because they want to exterminate them all. Yeah, it doesn't make much... I mean, I'm taking that Boltar didn't really think this thing through. <laughs> Don't think he did, did he? No. <laughs> no. You know, when whenever we cut back to the Imperious leader... Yes. We always get that ominous music, don't we? Yes. You know, duh, duh, you know. The music directs a <laughs> lot it? of the show. Whenever we do that, whenever we cut to the bad guys, we get that music. And in my head, all I can think of is, meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> so they destroy the mines. Battlestar Galactica gets through to planet Carolan. And so they have to go down on the planet to look for... Some mineral. <laughs> what? But why is Boxy and Serena with them? Oh, I have no idea why. That's that, I've written that in my notes. Why? Why? First of all, why is it, again, Starbuck, Boomer and Apollo? Starbuck and Boomer mm-hmm. in a separate vehicle. And Apollo has taken Serena and Boxy and Jolly? Yeah, with the them. fat guy. <laughs> why them two are there, I don't know. But those vehicles look cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. We we see those vehicles again though. Or we we've already seen those vehicles in a previous podcast. Oh, which one were they in? Do you remember when Buck? If you say Night Rider, in... I'm going to be really annoyed. No, no, no. Do you, do you remember when Buck went to find his parents' grave, and he's surrounded by mutants? Oh, that's the ones that and... Colonel Deering turns up in. Yeah, she turns up in the exact same ones. Cool. With the gun turret on the top. Right, right. I didn't put the two together at the time. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nicely spotted, sir. You were watching this week. Surprisingly so. Yeah. yeah. So they come across a mine that's lit up like a Christmas tree. And then Starbuck and Boomer step out and look around. And they encounter a woman who doesn't seem to know what's going on outside of this gambling place that they've discovered. Which to Starbuck is like basically heaven. It's Disco World. Yes, the music is very 70s. Mm-hmm. It's the only part of this film that I thought seemed dated in some strange way. More dated than the rest of it. Okay. Uh, it, this is like a specific moment in time rather than her styles being kind of 70s. This is actually yeah. truly 70s because it's pure well, You disco. can overlook the her styles. I mean, they right. do that in Star Wars, don't they? Yeah. I mean, and her styles come around and go and yeah. change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Starbuck isn't so up on reporting what he's found. He's more interested in winning cubics. Mm-hmm. Cubics. And he's winning easily, which makes Boomer suspicious because Starbuck's not that great at winning. But then they run into the three-eyed Tina Turner group, don't they? Yeah, which... Is this the first time we actually see aliens in Battlestar Galactica? I think it is because there's, there's a pig guy working on one of the uh, games as well, isn't there? Right. And I think that there's some other weird sort of frog guy walking around as well. Right. So while Starbuck and Boomer are hanging out in the disco-filled gambling arena, Apollo is looking for some minerals, and they discover some and stop the vehicle, and then mm-hmm. Moffat, the dagger, runs off. Because someone's waving a banana off screen. Right, and Boxy goes chasing him, and then somebody grabs Boxy, kidnaps him. He's missing. Yeah. And aliens take him below into a mine. Mm-hmm. And then Polo and Jolly and Serena go looking for Boxy. 
and then they're also kidnapped by these aliens, and they're taken <laughs> below. This looks terrible in Blu-ray, doesn't it? That backdrop that they've got behind All them. All backdrops in the show look appalling. <laughs> you can see the you can see the folds where they've unfolded it. Yeah, yeah they're pretty they're pretty bad. Um, Why didn't they use green screen? Because it would have looked worse. I don't know. I mean, some, maybe of it's, it's more some of it's projection on a big screen, but, but projected on set, not afterwards. And that mm. looks terrible too. Mm-hmm. So they could talk to the aliens because they're using a Languatron. Yep. Languatron. Yep. Excellent. Is it any more, you know, stranger than, say, what Star Trek use? The, you know, the Universal um, Translator. Universal Translator. Universal mm-hmm. Translator sounds more sciencey than a Languatron. But this is Battlestar Galactica. Languatron sounds like a speaking spell. <laughs> it sounds like one as well. Yeah. But the aliens seem friendly and they take Apollo and everybody to Boxy and find Starbuck and Boomer really enjoying life. We, we should say as well that these aliens, they're um, humanoid bees. Yes, and they're they? called the Ovian. The Ovians, yeah. Yes. Because Adam mm-hmm. receives a note from the Ovians, an actual note, a letter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Adam, I wish you were here. Everybody's having a lovely time on the planet. Carillon. The water is lovely. The weather is fine. How did they get the note up to him? I don't know. It's like a postman that comes around yeah. every so often and they've got a post box down the end of the road. I don't know. Possibly. Uh, Adama, again, is suspicious, mm-hmm. but that seems to be his default setting. That's what he's there for. It is. It is. Because he's suspicious because only small amounts of fuel are coming from the Ovian people, even though they've promised to help. And then he realizes that everybody is down on the planet having fun, that they're all spellbound, and that Galactica is pretty undefended at this point. And then Starbuck is busted by Athena because he's hanging out with Cassiopeia. That's right, yeah. yeah. Comedy moment abound, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then the group on the elevator finds themselves suddenly heading to the bottom floor, even though they didn't ask for it. And there's a really mean girl on the elevator who's kind of nasty to this colonial pilot. She is a bit, isn't she? She gets her comeuppance, yeah. though, doesn't she? Yeah, she's like, I wanted to go to the this floor. Oh, don't you know how to use it? And so, and then she screams, and I really, she gives it a really loud scream. Mm-hmm. We don't see what's going on. We don't, but we can guess. Yeah, back on Galactica, Sirius, the politician that we had met earlier, who was keeping all the food, calls a meeting and says, "Now we should make peace with the Cylons." Adam is annoyed. He can't believe what's going on. I'm not living on the Cylon rule, he says. Sirius says that we should destroy all the weapons as a... These are the worst politicians ever, aren't they? Oh, they're appalling, yeah. I mean, well, (laughs) considering what we live under now... No, you live under it, I don't. um, They're pretty good, these guys. At least they can string a sentence together. They're not on Twitter every five seconds. Right. He, he, Sirius, suggests that if we mind our own business, the Cylons will leave us alone, which is just nonsense. Adama refuses and leaves. So the politician suggests we throw a party for the warriors, a thank you party, where he will then announce that they're giving up the weapons. Well, not, nothing cheers anyone up better than cake, does it? Absolutely. Yeah. Cassiopeia and uh, some strange warrior, because now she's left Starbuck after a bust-up with Athena... Mm-hmm. She's back on the clock. She ends up going down to the bottom floor, and she screams. Yeah. Starbuck is now suspicious. He keeps winning, and he's noticing people seem to be disappearing. Mm-hmm. On Galactica, Adama, who's also suspicious, has a midnight rendezvous with Colonel Ty. I like this scene. It's a good scene. 
He invites Colonel Ty to a Viper Bay, tells Colonel Ty to get into a Viper so they can communicate through the internal comm system and they cannot be heard by anybody else aboard Galactica. Because Adamus found that his own quarters are booked. And you kind of get the impression that these two people have known each other for a long time, that maybe they used to fly Vipers together and right. they've been through, you know, they fought in the war earlier in the past. Doesn't know? he say, this brings me back? He does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good scene. Dama tells Ty what he's feeling, that this will be the worst time for a silent attack because everybody will be down on the planet celebrating the warriors and all the Viper pilots are going to be there too. Mm-hmm. And he says, it smells like a trap, feels like a trap. I believe it is a trap. So he decides to get all the personal mechanics to disguise as fighter pilots while the real pilots stay with the ships, take the ships to the planet and wait. There's a plot hole here. What's this pothole? All the pilots are down on the surface. Yes. Okay. How, how did they get the Vipers down there without anyone noticing? He tell ha, Adama, t- Ty asks that very same question. And Adama says, we'll do it slowly. We'll do it in twos and threes and just pretend they're normal patrols. Ah, right. Obviously, I fell asleep at that point then. Maybe. So it yeah. gradually does it. Okay. So then the, the plan is kind of spoiled by the fact that it appears to be the only person... Colonel Ty is the one collecting all the uniforms of all the thousands of pilots or hundreds of pilots of what there is. He's going around stealing their uniforms. But in all fairness, there's only one barracks. And there's only four pilots. There's only four pilots, yeah. and one of them's asleep. So it's not going to so... take that long. Although, wouldn't it be easier just to get the clothes from laundry? Because surely they're not just got one uniform. Well, everyone's just got one uniform each. Yeah. Go to the laundry. Go to the stars. There must be new ones. Oh, I bet there's some smelly pilots. You would think so. Jolly, for example. Oh, because you know he's sweating, don't you? Yeah. He's got the meat sweats. And he runs into... uh... Starbuck and Apollo. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) You remember the the two main characters? What are we watching? (laughs) Is this Brooke Rogers? It could be. Yeah, and they think he's suspicious, but they don't cotton on to what's going on. Yeah, we get a comedy moment, basically. We do. On the way to the planet, though, Apollo notices that the uniforms of the pilots around him don't seem to fit very well, and then he doesn't recognise anybody in them, but, you know, he pushes it aside. Yeah, he lets it slide. Yeah. Although, we... have you noticed that everyone... that the, They're supposed to be wearing dress uniforms. Right. And the dress uniform consists of the same uniform with the cape. Not, right. not really dressed. Which gets in the way. Right? It does get in the way later, doesn't it? They have to fight to get guns out and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very annoying. Mm-hmm. Must have been annoying for the actors. Yeah. Boomer also notices that he doesn't recognise the people in uniform. And Starbuck wants to talk to Apollo because... Well, he doesn't appear to notice it when Boomer mentions it, but then when he talks to Apollo later, he tells Apollo that, yeah, he's been noticing it all the time. So I think he's just stealing Boomer's idea. That's kind of in keeping with the character, though, isn't it? I mean, he's kind of like a Han Solo kind of character. Isn't he? Yeah, that's he's, true. You know, that's true. He's a bit of a rogue. Yeah, so Starbuck and Apollo go exploring. They take the lift all the way down. And then they discover a Cylon. They do. Shock. And there's a gunfight. And then they manage to escape. They also discover the humans are trapped in cocoons. The Ovians are capturing humans and cocooning them for food on behalf of the Cylons. Now, is that what they're doing? They're eating them? Because I always found this slightly vague. 
I don't think it's yeah. I don't think it's really explained. That's just my interpretation, really. I mean, although why would you cocoon your food? That seems like a messy way of doing it. But don't, don't we get maybe it's for later? Yeah, well, don't we get like don't we get a shot with yeah? Well, yeah. Don't we get a shot where there's a little creature inside one of the cocoons? So what do you think they're doing then? Well, they're eating them, out, aren't they? But okay, as you like, right. you said, why are they eating them? And uh, Starbuck discovers Cassiopeia before she's turned into a packed lunch, <laughs> thanks to Muffet, the Daggett who's also turned up at this point. Yeah, because he ran off, didn't he? And the Imperious leader announces the attack on Galactica. Right. So Adama was right after all. Mm-hmm. They are going to be attacked. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Sirius Uri, the politician, is still droning on. <laughs> There's a great line, though, isn't there, when uh, he's saying, um, I'm in charge here. And the next minute, some Cylons right. come through the door, and he points at Apollo and goes, he's in charge, listen to what he's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You notice the, the guns don't actually fire lasers? They're just torches, aren't they, basically? Yeah, it's just a white light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lasers are reserved for ships and vehicles. But I'm fine with that, because it's... it's it looks Yeah, right. it's different, isn't it? Yeah. It's very Blake 7. Yeah. Yes, I guess it is, mm. yeah. Which were actually yeah, so torches. The... Yeah. So they evacuate the gambling place. People are panicking, and there's a shootout with Silent. And that's when we see that the capes really are annoying because pe- the keep just keep getting yeah. away. <laughs> but they can't leave without Moffat, so they have to rescue Moffat. Yeah. Just... He kills Asylum by biting its leg. Yeah, nice. Has he got major circuitry in that leg? Maybe it's just a flesh wound. Yeah, but then he explodes, doesn't he? Maybe it's, that's where the brains are. I mean, why design them like humans? If you hate humans so much, why would you design your Cylon to look like humans? This is true, especially if you're a race of reptiles. Yeah, so put it in the leg. Mm-hmm. You just happen to get the right leg. Mm-hmm. And a vehicle turns up with Jolly controlling it. Yeah. And did you notice there's a scene where it's a close-up of Jolly in the turret, and it's Starbuck and Polo are hanging off the sides, but they're clearly stood on the ground and just shaking the side of the vehicle. <laughs> I didn't see that, no. And there's nothing around them, it's black. <laughs> so, so they're just they're it, just bouncing up and down yeah so they think oh we're in trouble now but then their plan is revealed and they come across all the vipers waiting on the planet in another terrible uh back projection shot they've, they've got one um, life-size viper in foreground and the rest of it's just a very badly projected yeah. matte painting basically <laughs> Well, we'll see it later, but whenever they're enclosed in a place, you can tell it's a studio because it echoes like a studio. Yeah, yeah, it's got that BBC 1970s vibe to it, hasn't it? Yeah, the mm. steps are plastic, and you can hear them stepping down things mm-hmm. and creaking. Yeah. So then we have a big Cylon battle. Yeah, I, I wrote, this is the Battle of Yarvin. Yeah, but with yep. the same shot used again and again. <laughs> Sometimes they reverse it for a bit of... <laughs> well, you know, you're going to mix it up a bit, haven't you? You know. Yeah. Shots of people pressing fire buttons. Yeah. You know, you, you, that Cylon ship flies into the left corner and explodes. Then it flies into the right corner and explodes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And so Apollo and Starbuck come up with a plan to go and attack the base station. Mm-hmm. And they pretend to be multiple fleets on different frequencies. Purple and turquoise, or whatever they're called. Imperial leader thinks they're under attack from multiple squadrons, and so the base station retreats close to the surface of Carolyn, mm-hmm. which is a bad move. Because it explodes. It explodes because it actually heats up all the minerals that are underneath the surface of Carolyn. That's right. It's a big explosion. Yeah, and Starbuck and Apollo fly home, 
and uh, they have a conversation. Don't they? Oh, do you think we'll find Earth someday? And uh, that's it. And he says, nope, we'll be cancelled long before that happens. <laughs> now, don't spoil it. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so that was the theatrical version of Battlestar Galactica. Now, n- normally we would go in and talk about episodes from the show, but because of some Cylon intervention, we have lost... Bloody Cylon. <laughs> yes, we've lost an hour of material. So we won't be talking about the episodes, but we are going to summarize them in our conclusions of the theatrical version and of the episodes themselves and can i just say the uh, the hour of, of uh, recording that we've lost i was really funny you not so much but i was really good <laughs> i thought it was the best material we've ever done it was it's a shame no one's ever going to hear it no because no. that's not saying much but much like the second season of Battlestar Galactica, really. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. what did you think of Battlestar Galactica? This was something that I, I loved as a kid. Um, it was like getting a little piece of Star Wars every week. But more than that, it wasn't, just, it wasn't just the fact that it reminded me of Star Wars. I loved the characters. I thought it was, you know, it looked great. Hold on a second. When we did this previously, you said you hated it. <laughs> I'm allowed to change my mind. <laughs> You didn't. You, you, you've no, always loved Battlestar Galactica. I have. I have. And, you know, aside from the 70s hairstyles and some of the ropey sets, although I still stand by the bridge set, I still stand by the designs of the ships. Um, you know, the, the, the Cylon fighter is still a unique design that I don't think we've seen ever repeated anywhere else or before or since. And it's just a fun show. And I, I was worried that I wasn't going to like it. I was worried that... I hadn't watched it for a long time, and maybe it wouldn't stand up like it did. Especially as you bought the Blu-ray box there. Yeah, but the, I hadn't watched it <laughs> since I bought it. It's been sitting on the shelf for ages. But yeah, um, I think it's perfectly fine. I think it's a better show than Buck Rogers. Oh, really? Absolutely. Hands down a better show than Buck Rogers. Even the first season of Buck Rogers. So yeah, I'd include it. What about you? I actually think the film is a bad example of this series. Because the film feels disjointed and it feels like episodes just thrown together. So I think if you're ever going to watch Battlestar Galactica, you should actually watch the series and just watch the film afterwards sometime later. Do you think it was a cash thing? The reason why... I mean, because obviously it was three episodes. And Do you think that maybe it was like, oh, we can make some more money out of this if we string it together and make a movie out of it? Yeah, I think they, they looked at the success of Star Wars and they thought, well, we can just, you know, we can actually... Re- kind of capitalize on that by turning this into a film well it is a process that they repeated isn't it they repeated it with Buck rogers yes yes and i think it does the series a disservice Mm -hmm. i don't like the way they keep reusing effects all the time and i think if they're stuck to their original plan of doing tv movies it would have been better for the show yeah i'd I'd agree with that yeah a lot less filler but having said that i'd I'd, I'd be intrigued to see where they would have taken it with the second season Mm -hmm. It ended on such a good point to end it. It's a shame that we didn't yeah. get any more. But the actors do work well together, and they seem to be having fun. And that, you know, that seeps through the show, and it seeps through to the audience as well. Um, so I do enjoy it, and I, I enjoy it in a camp fun kind of way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it was camp. Oh, did I hit a nerve? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's better examples of camp. Maybe camp is the wrong word. Maybe I was looking for cheesy. But Rogers was camp. 
So it's a yes from you? Yes, it's a yes. It's slightly less of a yes from me than it is for you, I think. But it's I'll win you yes. over eventually. And so that was our shorter opinion <laughs> of Battlestar Galactica than what we, we enjoyed been. the other episodes that we watched, though, didn't we? Yeah, it did. I preferred those episodes to mm-hmm. the film. Um, we watched Fire in Space, which is episode 11, and we watched the last one, which is The Hand of God. Mm-hmm. And both of them, well, Fire and Spice, Fire and Spice, Fire and Space is like a disaster movie compressed to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And then Hand of God has a good storyline, an interesting storyline, and then finishes in the show in a strong place. With them picking up signals from the moon landing. Right, but they don't realize that. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So, shall we go into a little retro roundup of other things that we've watched recently? Well, I've only got one, so... Oh, go ahead. You go first, then. Uh, I rewatched uh The Hitcher recently. The Hitcher? Mm-hmm. Rutger Hauer, C. Thomas Howell. Oh, how was that? Um, I hadn't seen it for a long time. I couldn't remember a lot about it, actually. It, um, it struck me how, how typically 80s it was, but also it was kind of like a typical 80s movie with an edge. It, it didn't go the way that you would expect it to go. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but... I don't think I've seen it. Oh, it could be one for future... Uh... Oh, there you go. Say no more, then. Yeah, but no, it's really good, and Rutger is excellent, isn't it? Oh, okay. I watched The Blue Lamp from 1950. Oh, how was that? I, I enjoy this film. I really like it. It's uh, Ealing's police procedural drama. It's entertaining, and it's also interesting because it was filmed, and it obviously set just after second world war so you get to see british life just after the war mm-hmm. and it's also fun watching dirk bogard play such a really nasty piece of work is this the movie where dixon and doc green dies yes yes and then comes back to life and launches a series that went on for about five thousand years a bit like Bolta, really oh yeah there you go there's the connection mm-hmm. i don't know how you do it <laughs> and it's fun to see bernard lee as Inspector Cherry, actually out and about rather than behind a mahogany desk like he's always in the Bond films <laughs> yeah. later on. Bernard Lee that played M. Yes. So it's a pretty good uh, film, and it's slightly different from Ealing's later comedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other film I watched is North Sea Hijack. Now, I know this movie. Yeah, it's known in the UK, it's known as Folks. Double F-O-L-K-E-S. What? That's his name. Right, okay. Yeah. Just checking what you said. Okay. <laughs> and it stars Roger Moore. Ah, uh, yes, I do know this movie, yeah. <laughs> yes, and uh, it has Anthony Perkins, who mm-hmm. basically plants explosives on oil rigs, and then Roger Moore and his team of commandos have to try and stop him. And it's directed by Andrew V. McLaglan, who directed a lot of you know action movies like The Wild Geese and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's hammy, it's daft. Uh, but it, it's enjoyable. It's a good, I call it a good, fun, rainy afternoon movie. And Roger Moore is always watchable. Yeah, and his character's weird because his character in it um, hates women and loves cats. Can you imagine if Bond was like that? And throughout the film, Roger Moore is uh, doing a tapestry of cats. <laughs> How bizarre. <laughs> you yeah. can imagine Vin Diesel doing that in Triple X, could you? No, not really. And somebody asked him, like, do you enjoy doing it? He says, no, I hate it, but it lets me think. And there's, there's weird stuff like that because 
Someone asks him about his hatred of women, and he points out that both his parents were killed in childbirth. How did that work? Yeah, you see the look on the other person's face. He's like, wait, I don't, I don't understand. And you don't as an audience, and it's never explained. <laughs> and James Mason's also in it as well, and he's very, you know, gives mm-hmm. a solid performance. And Anthony Perkins is very over the top, which is what the film needs. Oh, I'll have to give that another look then. Yeah, it's fun. The poster is very misleading because it has him holding a Siamese cat while two uh, bikini-clad women hang off his side. Yeah, I've seen this poster. It looks like a Bond poster, doesn't it? Totally a Bond poster, but there's there's only two women in it, and they're not like that at all. <laughs> so it's a, a artistic interpretation of the film. Oh, those were the days when the poster had nothing to do with the movie whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good poster, though. I'd put it on a wall. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's all we've watched recently. Shall we go into some letters that we've received? We've had mail. So we had an email from Lillian and Bath. Lillian says, I really enjoy your podcast, especially Colin's work. When are you going to go solo? <laughs> Sooner than you might think at this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, she didn't say that at all. Um, she points out that she loves 70s British films. And she asks, will we be doing more Hammer? And have you thought about doing some carry-on films? And she listened to our sense of humour. We steal everything from carry-on films, don't we? <laughs> That's true, that's true. Um, I'm guessing we will do more Hammer because you're a big Hammer fan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I'm sure other ones will turn up. And we've talked about doing carry-on films as well, right? It's just picking the right one, I think, isn't it? It is. It's like, do we start from the beginning mm-hmm. and work our way through every so often? Yeah. Like, or do we pick the parody ones, for example, carry-on Cleo? I suppose... The way that retrospection works is that we would never pick a movie that was really successful because what would be the point? And we would also right. never pick a movie that was terrible. So right. we wouldn't, because that what would be the point again? We, we kind of operate in that middle area, don't we? We do, but you could choose some terrible movies that you like. I didn't know this. You should have told Wait. me this ages ago. What was Scars of Dracula? Yeah, but that could have gone either way. Okay. That's my point. Do We wouldn't do Jaws in the same way that we would never do Star Crash. Going back to the carry-on films, going off that, then one of the later ones would be the one we would do. And I don't really want to sit through carry-on England. Exactly, or carry-on Columbus. Because not only is it not a good film, it's not really a good representation of what the carry-on films were about. Yeah, I I would possibly put forward perhaps either carry-on Sergeant or carry-on Behind. Hmm, Maybe carry-on Behind. Mm -hmm. That's in that middle area, is it? It could go either way, that one. It's not Carry On Camping, which everyone knows. It's not, I mean, we could do Carry On Screaming. We'd love to do Carry On Screaming, but I think everyone knows that that's the best one. The, wait, wait, wait. That's the best Carry On film? I think, it's, I think it's perceived as the best Carry On film, whether it is or not. I thought that was your opinion. I'm not saying that. I'm not getting the letters. <laughs> from me? No, from whoever wrote this email. I'm fur- furiously writing right now. Carry On Screaming <laughs> is not the best <laughs> I don't want to get letters from whoever wrote this email. So in answer, basically, yes, there will be more Hammer films. And when we finally decide which carry-on film we're going to start with, we will do one. Although we will have to explain what the carry-on series is about to American listeners, which would be interesting in itself, too. (laughs) We drop from 20 listeners to 10 listeners. (laughs) (laughs) So we have an email from Dave in Aldershot. Dave says, uh, the podcast has been great so far. Really enjoy Colin's work. Paul lets you down a bit. When are you going to go so far? <laughs> I'm sensing a theme going on here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave doesn't say that at all. 
Dave suggests that we take a look at Bloodspot, that Jean-Claude Van Damme actioner. I think this is a good idea. I mean, we've never... It's a genre we haven't done yet, isn't it? We've done a lot of sci-fi and we've done some horror, but we haven't yeah. done any action movies yet. That's true. I'm trying to think of the last Van Damme film I saw. Not his latest, but one I rewatched, And I think it was Time Cop. Wow. I recently watched um, the new Kickboxer movie that he's in. Oh, yeah, you kick, did? Kickboxer Vengeance. Which is basically a remake of Kickboxer, whereas in this time Van Damme's playing the trainer. Oh. Anyway, it was it was all I can say is that it's far better than it has any right to be. Yeah. Oh really? I, it was it was. I mean, it's rubbish, but <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun rubbish. Huh. So I guess we're going to do Bloodspot at some point. Yeah, then. I'm I'm up for that. Yeah. Okay. So we have another letter from Barry who says, "I really enjoy Paul's." Oh no! Forget that. <laughs> Oh, you're, you're, you're good. <laughs> so finally, we have an email from Adam, again in Aldershot. Wow, are we popular in the barracks or something? <laughs> you're behind the times. They don't have a barracks anymore. Oh, okay. So Adam attended the Reading Comic Con that you attended. Go on. Um, and he says, hold on, he says, I chose a chainsaw as my weapon of choice. Is Adam a psychopath or is this just something you do at Reddit Comic Con? I couldn't, I couldn't possibly comment. Okay, but he does say something interesting. He says he also saw the primeval booth that you saw and Hannah's spirit was there. It wasn't just men. Now you tell me there are only men there. How in all that is holy did you not see Hannah's spirit? <clears throat> well, the goddess that she is. Well, the smart answer would be... That I was obviously there with my wife, and, and I, I just didn't know it was anyone else. The female persuasion. But I'm not that okay. smart. Between admiring um, our favourite uh, Doctor Who companion... Peter Purvis. That's the one. And uh, hunting lots of collectibles. Okay. <laughs> the primeval table wasn't particularly high on my list, really, you know? Okay, I And see. I, I honestly didn't see her there. Maybe you couldn't see her for the throngs of people requesting autographs. The throngs of people. Throngs. Throngs. You know what I said. So that's a selection from this week's emails. And so some interesting uh, choices that people have selected, and we're probably going to do them at some point. So if you want to give us any film or TV choices, or you just want to say hello, you can reach us at retrospection at email.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Retrospecky. And you can also search for us on Facebook. All this information will be in our show notes. And don't pull your punches on obviously telling Colin how great he is. So on our next podcast, we're going to jump aboard the superhero bandwagon. But you can forget the mighty far. Just move aside your memory of the sullen Batman. And let go the mighty... Iron Man, because, yes, yes, we're going to take a look at Condor Man, Walt Disney's parody, I guess, of the superhero genre, before it was even a cinematic genre. Some mothers do have them in space. In space? They're not in space, are they? (laughs) Never, at no point. Surprisingly, no. I'm I'm bigging the film up in my head more than it was. (laughs) So thank you for listening to Retrospection and join us in our next episode. Bye. Bye. I opened the fridge door and a huge pepper hit me in the face.